Well, uh, welcome everybody to our church. Welcome back to our series, God Unboxed. Uh, I have to deal with a uh, disappointment that uh, some may have, and that is that the Ark of the Covenant is not here. Did you notice that? I bumped into some folks last night whose their kid, their grandkid is like a huge Ark of the Covenant, Raiders of the Lost Ark fan, and came to church with high expectation to see the Ark. And the Ark of the Covenant is on the compass campus tour right now. It is, it is presently at the 95th Street campus. Uh, it'll be there for a few weeks, and it's going to go to our Wheaton campus for a few weeks. And then the last week of the series, we'll have it back here. We're going to leave it on stage if kids want to come up and look at it. Don't touch it, though. All right. Well, speaking of Raiders of the Lost Ark, as a way of getting into our new message, I thought it might be good for us to watch a little clip from the movie. Before we play it, I just wanted to indicate that there's a moment here where two government officials are asking Indiana Jones, who's an archaeologist, and his buddy, who's also an archaeologist, they're asking them about what was the Ark of the Covenant like? Let's take a look. What does this Ark look like? There's a picture of it right here. That's it. Good God. Yes, that's just what the Hebrews thought. Uh, now what's that supposed to be coming out of there? Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. to understand Hitler's interest in this. Oh, yes. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. Interesting. Remember that scene? And then let's do a little film crit, biblically informed film crit. Were they right in the stuff that they said? Is it true that the Ark of the Covenant was like a super weapon that like blap, boom, boom, boom? No, there were no laser beams shooting out of the Ark of the Covenant and blasting the enemy. Uh, one of the quotes that they said, the Bible says that the Ark leveled mountains and wiped out regions. Not that God couldn't do that, but that's not in the Bible. But the notion of the Ark of the Covenant being carried into battle is absolutely biblical. In fact, let me show you a passage that demonstrates just that. Joshua chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests, and he said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Have seven priests carrying trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army to advance. And folks, that's what happened. Not just here. In the days of Joshua, the days of the conquest, the Ark of the Covenant was brought into battle. In the days of the judges under Samuel in specific, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was brought into battle. In the days of the kings, like King Saul, King David, the Ark of the Covenant was brought into battle. Can we go back to that picture real quick? And so why was the Ark of the Covenant brought into battle? Well, because 
power. Remember, he was asked, what are these beams? And Indiana Jones said, I don't know, lightning, fire, power of God, power of God. That was the right answer. Folks, the Ark of the Covenant brought the power of God to battle. More specifically, God brought his power to the battle, but he used the Ark of the Covenant and its presence in the battlefield as a reminder to the soldiers that their confidence was not in their own ability, but their hope was in God and his power. And God's power came. How did it come? Well, it came to the soldiers, you know, as they fought, they found themselves gaining a victory, fighting with an excellence that was beyond their own natural capacity. God's power was operating through them, giving them an effectiveness that was not their own. In other cases, we find that God altered the circumstances around the battlefield to bring a supernatural victory. The point being, the success that the Israelite army achieved was not due to their own excellence, but rather the power of God at work in that moment. Do you need the power of God in your life? Well, I'm not fighting battles in the literal sense. Well, we're all fighting battles, though. If you're engaged with your heart in this life, if God's guiding you, you'll you'll fight battles. You'll have battles, some cases, for your marriage, where you realize if this marriage is going to survive, I've got to have the power of God show up and help me help this marriage. Or maybe it's at work. Lord, this problem, I can't, I need you. It's never going to correct itself. God, if you don't show up. Or or maybe it's at church. You know, you felt prompted to join some ministry and you know you're way over your head unless God shows up. Or maybe it's in your neighborhood or with your kids. Who knows? But I would ask, Are you interested in living your life out of your own reservoir of excellence? Or do you want to live out of the power of God? Some some skeptics may say, I don't really know if God shows up in power. I'm here to tell you, you are watching a demonstration of that as we speak. The only reason that I am here and the only reason that my words may carry some life-altering potential is a demonstration of the power of God and not a demonstration of my natural abilities. Uh, It was evidenced to me two weeks ago. I I went uh, to my home, Wheaton College's 25th year reunion. Can you believe I'm that old? A 25-year reunion, and I bumped into a guy we used to be in biology classes together. And he said, now you're a doctor, right, Jeff? And I'm like, no, no, I'm a pastor of a church. He's like, really? And I said, yeah. He said, like, do you preach? And I, uh, I said, I do. And I know why he's puzzled, because he was there on the day at that biology class. I gave a presentation on dolphin communication and had a panic attack so strongly that I couldn't breathe and I started trembling and the instructor had to invite me to sit down halfway through because I was obviously melting down. And he, he's like, I just didn't see you in that role. And uh, I didn't either. But God called, 
and God's power is faithful. And I walk here knowing that unless supernaturally God fills me and fills you and and something happens, there won't be lasting change. But with his power, look out. The power of God is still at work today. And every single one of us need it. And I'm guessing you want it, which begs the question, how do we get it? If that's available to us, what do we do? And to tell you what we do, I want to use the imagery of throwing a switch. And and to do that, I I need to tell you about a story that happened when I was in high school. Here's a picture of my first car. I had a really nice first car, huh? I had a 79 Trans Am, you know, Eagle, hood scoop, T-tops, 403 engine, uh, my dad helped me get this because I was such a nerd. He thought, maybe this will help. And if, you, if you wonder how I won my wife, wonder no longer. There it is. Uh, that's how I got her. And uh, one day, a buddy at high school challenged me to a drag race. And I said, all right, you got it. And so we went out to a country road where there nobody, straight shot. He was in one of the Camaros of the same year. And uh, we said go, and we took off. And I'm very proud to say for a few seconds, I was in the lead. And then a few seconds into the race, I didn't know what happened, but his car just took off like a rocket ship. And boom, he was gone. And when he eventually came back to uh, see me, he said, Jeff, I need to tell you about what I've done to my car. He said, I have wired it up with nitrous oxide. He said, I got a tank of nitrous oxide in the trunk. And he said, come in here, I'll show you. And he had a little toggle switch with a little light by it. He goes, when I flick that switch, the nitrous goes on, and you just can't compete with regular gasoline. And I'm like, you're right, I saw that. And folks, what we want is the capacity to throw the switch and tap into a fuel that is not normal, that is beyond what most people operate with, that's connected to the power of God. What switch do we have to throw? Well, actually, we have to do five of them. Let's take a look. So five switches that we're going to have to click based on the passage of Scripture we're about to study that will enable us to access the power of God. You ready? So the passage we're going to be looking at is one where Joshua is about to enter into the promised land. And this was called the season of conquest. I mean, Joshua and his army just fought battle after battle after battle. And God said, if you're going to have my power in all of these battles, I'm going to have to teach you how to rely on the power of God. And so God had a lesson for them and for us in how the Israelites miraculously got across the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. All right? So imagine they're camped on the east side of the Jordan, about to cross over onto the west side and enter into the promised land and all those battles. The first thing that we discover is that you need to have expectation. Expectation. Joshua believed that God was powerful and that God brought his power to bear in the lives of his people. Do you expect the same? Let me read to you. This is Joshua 3, verse 5. If you you don't have your... uh, own Bible. You could grab the one in the seat back on page 125 is Joshua 3. Joshua 3, 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, get ready, for tomorrow 
the Lord will do amazing things among you. Do you see the expectation there? God hasn't spoken yet, and so Joshua has no idea what God's going to do. He just knows God well enough to know that they're going to experience his power. It's going to be amazing. What's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know, but something's going to happen. I just got this feeling in my heart. And you know, we should live the same way. We should approach the challenges we face and say, Lord, I know you're going to show up. I don't know how, but I know that there's a supernatural dynamic I need to get ready for. Now, the sad things is that most Christians live without expectation. I believe that to be true. Maybe I'm wrong. I believe most Christians, you know, they go through life and they're like, I'm an ordinary person. True. And my life will always be ordinary Well, I guess if that's your level of expectation, you're probably going to be right about that. It is not until ordinary people believe and start thinking about the possibilities that could be accomplished through their ordinariness if the power of God were applied. We need to be dreamers and say, Lord, what do you, as I go through this day, I'm going to go looking. Lord, what are you leading me towards? What are you calling me towards? Because I believe you may show up and do things that were not on the realm of the possible if it weren't for your power. And so don't live your one life never dreaming big because you never thought the power of God was possible. That would be a waste of a life. We need to be a people who are filled with expectation. Number two. We need to be people who get the instruction of God. If you want the power of God, you must hear God lead you, instruct you, command you to do something. Because it's God's instruction that God blesses. You know, the whole notion of the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's kind of crazy. Adolf Hitler thought, if I can get the ark, then I can apply the power of God to my mission, the Nazi regime. It's craziness. God doesn't empower that which is not his agenda. Unfortunately, like Hitler, if you will, we do the same thing. Well, we'll get an idea, a dream that's not really our dream. It's not God's dream. It's our dream. And we'll name it and claim it and say, God, you've got to put your power towards my dream. He says, no, I don't. I put my power toward my dream. And so we need God to instruct us, God to guide us. It's when we are following his instruction that we get his power. Let me show you that in the word of God. It says in verse 7 of Joshua 3, And the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. The natural thing to do when you approach a river is to stop. But God said, the Lord said to Joshua, this was the Lord's idea, I don't want you to stop. I want them to keep walking right out into the river. Now, had that been Joshua's idea, had Joshua said, I got this great idea. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk into the river and demand of God that he do a miracle here. That would not have been blessed. But this wasn't Joshua's idea. This was God's idea. God guided. Where God calls, God empowers. 
Now, this is tricky because you may say, I got these dreams. How do I know if they're God-given dreams or if they're, only, they're my dream? One test I've found helpful is analyze the motive behind the dream. If this dream is for your own pride and ego, eh. if it's greed, eh. but if it's a dream that you just long for in order to give God glory and for his kingdom to be advanced, then yeah, that's probably God-given. But if you pray about it and say, Lord, these dreams that I'm pursuing, which of them have you called me to and which of them is just my own ambition that's calling me to? And God can purify. And when we really know, Lord, I believe this is you calling me to this, we have one of the keys to his power falling in our lives. Next one. And that is submission. Once God has given his instructions, we must submit and obey, right? It's one thing to get instructions. It's another thing to do them. And what we're about to see here is that once getting those instructions, the Israelites obeyed. Verse 7. No, verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. A miracle occurred that day. As soon as the priests put their foot in the water, God stopped the river and suddenly, miraculously, made it dry ground that the whole nation could pass over on, similar to the parting of the Red Sea that had occurred a generation earlier under Moses' leadership. And what I find so curious about how God did this is, you know, if, if, if it was me, I would have said, Lord, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to come up to the river, and then I'm going to wait. And I'm going to wait for you to stop the river and for you to make it nice and dry. And then when I see it's good and safe, then I'll walk. And God said, no, nah, it ain't going to work that way. You've heard my voice. You know what I want. Obey even before my power comes. And that's difficult, but that's what submission filled with faith looks like. Lord, you're calling me to this ministry. You're calling me to reach my neighbors. You're calling me to fight for my kid's heart. I don't know how you're going to do it. Show me what you want to do. First, make it look safe. And God says, no, how about you first obey? And so one of the keys is to say, all right, I'm going to do it, God. I believe you've called. I'm going to follow you and trust that in the nick of time, your power will come. Isn't that beautiful? The next one is recognition. When the power of God comes, when you're obeying and you're like, oh, it's working, I'm seeing fruit, at that moment there is a danger, and that is to not recognize that it's God. I know that sounds crazy, but we're good at this. We, we, we do something risky, and it starts to go well for us. And what do we do? We are like, wow, turns out I'm better than I thought I was. How about this, huh? No, this is God. Don't forget to recognize that it's God's power. Let me show you that from the Word. In verse 17, it says this. The priests 
who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they stopped in the middle of the Jordan and they stood there on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. The Lord arranged a unique uh, transfer. He said, okay, here's how it's going to work. Once the miracle of parting the river takes place, I want to park the ark right in the middle of the river. Most of the people had never been very close to the ark. Well, they all got to get close this time because they walked right past it. As they were experiencing the miracle, they were reminded who was doing the miracle, and that is God. This is different than how it happened at the Red Sea. Do you remember? At the Red Sea, Moses held up his staff. Joshua could have done the same thing. I'm going to hold up my staff. The danger with the whole staff trick is that the people think that the leader has the great power. Oh, look at the magic powers Moses had or Joshua had. And God says, if they misinterpret the miracle and give the leader the credit for the miracle and not God, God said, that'd be a problem. So God said, different plan. Walk right past the ark, recognizing why you're experiencing this great victory. It's God. And folks, when we are experiencing some momentum, it's starting to go well. I can't believe God is using me. Remember just that. God is using you. One of my greatest areas of failure is on this point, this recognition point. And that is that I get going and it starts going well and I start to think to myself, oh, this is me. It's not me. It's God. Uh, the minute I start saying, oh, it turns out I, I have more capacity than I realize. You know what happens? It dries up. If you take your eye off, can we go back to the outline? If you take your eye off of that goal, uh, folks, it, it's it's going to dry up. The minute you stop recognizing that this is God, not you, the minute you start to think it's you, it dries up. So the whole time, you had to start with trust in him. You need to continue with trust in him, saying, it's only because of you. It's only because of you. I don't want to suddenly, once starting in the power of God, shift to human flesh. I want to continue to recognize it's you. Lastly, and that is, commendation. Kind of a big word, but do you know what it means to commend someone? It means to compliment them, to verbalize your praise of their great accomplishment. And commendation means to verbalize, God, you are great. I give you all the credit for what took place. This is after God's blessed. After it's blessed, it is so important for us to commend God and to say, may all generations know Anything beautiful that came out of my life was your doing, your power, not my own. Uh, uh, This was illustrated at the end. Uh, The next chapter of Joshua, Joshua 4. Something interesting. The Lord commands the leaders to go back. The Ark of the Covenant is still in the river. All the people have passed over. The leaders go back in, and they're instructed to get a big rock. And they carry these rocks out of the riverbed and The Ark of the Covenant follows, and wouldn't you know, the minute the Ark leaves the river, what happens? Swoosh! The water comes through again. How cool. The rocks are then placed into a big pile called an altar. And altars were 
memorials. They reminded the people. They proclaimed to all people, the generation that experienced it and the generations that would follow. But they, they, they sent a message. And what is the message of this pile of rocks? Well, here we go. Joshua 4, verses 6 and 7. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All generations need to know that the great stories you hear of the things that were done through ordinary people, you know who gets the credit? The Lord does. you got to know this was his power, not my own. I know some people get annoyed when Christians say, oh, it's not me, it's all God. Get annoyed, but it's true. We got to keep saying it because the day we say, yeah, you're right, I'm pretty great, we're in trouble because we're not. We are all painfully ordinary. And when we are blessed by the power of God and when great fruit results, we must not take the credit. We will be robbing God of the glory that is due his name and pity the person who robs God and takes credit for his victory. And so when people say, your kids are so great, how did you do it? You know, God really blessed us. When you say, look at your career success, wow, you've got to be proud. You know, God has been so good to us. Look at your church and what great things are being accomplished. Your pastor must be amazing. Actually not. No, not at all. But God has been really good to us. We've got to give him the credit for generations to come. Let our kids know that God's power showed up in our lives, and he will do the same for them. Are you doing this stuff? Are you living a divinely empowered life? Can I uh, show you my small group? Here's a picture of my small group. I'm I'm going to brag on these guys just for a moment, if you'll allow me. Uh, We get together uh, here in the lobby every single Wednesday morning early for Bible study and a time together. And we start off with this question. I I ask them, I say, guys, what can you tell us? What's God been doing in your life? There's an update time. And, And these gentlemen have shared about God's prompting in their lives, the things God has called them to do. And how, to their amazement, God's power is showing up. And I'm just going to kind of go through them and just tell you stories of divine empowerment. This is Fernando. Uh, Fernando's, uh, when he had first arrived at the Compass Church many years ago, he was a brand new Christian and didn't have a clue, but started growing and growing and growing in his knowledge of God and in his godliness So much so that as a young man, he was invited to be an elder of our church. He did not think he had any qualification, but he said, well, if God's calling me in this, and I believe he is, I'm going to trust in his power. And God anointed Fernando's service as an elder, so much so that after he served nine years, took some time off, just this fall, we begged for him to come back. Not because we need you but because we need God's power through you. Our church is a better place as God's power flows through this ordinary guy. Here's Seth. 
Seth felt God nudging him to serve faithfully, discipling high school students in Ignite, our high school ministry. And for years now, Seth has discipled, trained high school kids. Just last weekend, he was up in Wisconsin at uh, a three-day retreat with high school. I went up there for one night and taught the high school kids once, and I got out of there. Seth (laughs) stayed with high school freshman boys in a sweaty dorm room for three days. If you don't need the power of God there, just to survive. But Seth, he's planning on changing these young men's lives. You say, he can't do that. You're right. He can't. But God can through him. And so Seth is begging, power of God, fall on me and somehow use me to give these high school freshman boys a vision of what life with Christ can be like. And God's using him. This is Dan. Dan is a relatively new Christian. And Dan felt God leading him into junior high ministry, journey. And he's like, I don't know anything about the Bible. How can... And this idea came to mind. Maybe I could serve in the greeters. Dan wisely knew that junior high is the armpit of life, and as a result, it's really tough. Junior hires are scared and overwhelmed, and even coming to a church youth group is a terrifying notion. And so Dan thought, if I can be a greeter and help these newcomers to feel loved and welcomed and comfortable, and I witnessed Dan's ministry as I brought my junior hire. Uh, Janae just entered the sixth grade this fall, and she, she was scared to death to come to Journey. And she said, Dad, would you go with me into the building? Sure. And so I came in, and there was Dan. And he's like, Janae, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And he connected her to other kids. And the Spirit of God was operating through that man, ministering and fighting for my daughter's soul. Praise God for Dan operating in the Spirit's power in that way. This is Frank. Frank is a brand new Christian, just came to Christ in our church last fall. And, and Frank, uh, you know, he, he goes, I don't know the Bible at all, but can God still use me? And Frank is really good with kids. And so he felt this idea come to mind. Maybe I should serve in Awana. And he's like, Lord, is this a view? And he felt like it was. And so Frank has joined Awana, and he is being used by God. He's like, kids, I don't know a lot about God, but I'll tell you what I've learned. And the Lord is ministering to this generation of kids through Frank in supernatural form. It's a beautiful thing. And then, uh, I don't know who that guy is, but we'll just skip over him. And uh, this is Mike. Mike does so much in our church. I'll just share one thing with you uh, that God recently has called him to. Mike was standing in the front yard talking to one of his neighbors, who's a Christian. And the two of them started talking and dreaming God started giving them a dream. And then the dream was this. What if the two of us started a neighborhood Bible study and only invited people who don't know Christ? And they're, they're like, well, that's crazy. I mean, these people who don't go to church, they don't go to church because they're not interested in God, right? So why would they come? And they couldn't get away from this vision. And, and Mike said, you know, you know a lot of guys in the neighborhood, and I know a lot of guys. Let's just... Ask God 
If this is you, Lord, bless it and, and bring the guys. And so courageously, they invited all of these unchurched people. And wouldn't you know, they are coming in shocking quantity to this Bible study for spiritual seekers. God's power is anointing that supernatural, yeah, we'll applaud that, supernatural effect. I think you see why I'm so proud of these guys. Here's Greg. Uh, Greg is also a, a new believer, came to Christ about a year ago. And, and Greg, uh, shortly after arriving at our church, found out about Celebrate Recovery, our, our ministry to uh, those who are battling addiction, helping them in the power of God to find freedom from what enslaves them. And Greg felt very drawn to serve and celebrate recovery. And he came there, and he's a strategist. So Greg was looking and said, how can we make this more effective? And he had an idea. He said, we'd have more guys coming if we fed them food. He said, you know, they, they can't drink, so let's let them eat, you know. And, so let's, and, and Greg comes every single week to serve food to these Guys and gals who come. And then Greg puts on an apron and washes dishes to serve these people. And then he started thinking more, and he's like, you know another problem that's limiting the effectiveness here? Some of these guys have lost their driver's license as a result of their addiction. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to drive the church van to go pick people up so those who can't drive can come. And so not only does he serve food and clean dishes, but he drives there and back the church van. And God is giving him ideas and passion and effectiveness to reach out to those whom Christ loves so much. (laughs) So proud of their courageous commitment to follow Jesus. And it's not just what they're doing here at church. Let me be clear. They all have children and they're begging God to let his power fall as they seek to disciple their children. And they've all got jobs and they're begging God, God, Give me the power to be a man of integrity and effectiveness at work. And they've all got neighbors, and they all have a vision for reaching their neighbors, and they all know they need God's power. And so I would ask you, are you living the adventure? Are you living the God-empowered, God-led, kingdom-advancing adventure? I know so many of you are, and as I am proud of them, I am proud of you. Keep it up. I never want the Compass Church to be this church that operates in the flesh, meaning without human, without divine power. So many churches are that way. They're just a human club. And we don't want to do that. We want to be a God thing, a thing where we are a people who are serious about following God and serious about stepping out of our comfort zone in obedience to those promptings God puts on our heart and be a people who are finding him showing up and advancing his cause. You want to live your one life, seeing it be a demonstration of your, no offense, I'm the same way, pathetic ordinariness, or to want your one life to be a demonstration of divine power flowing through an ordinary person. Let's follow him together. Would you pray with me? God, we are very, very grateful that you are powerful. And we can't believe that you desire to bear, come bring your power to bear in our lives. But if you want us, we're yours. 
Jesus, we're bought with a price. We recognize you died to claim our lives. We are yours. Take us. Lead us. Empower us in our families, in our neighborhoods, at our church, at our works. Empower us. We'll stay humble. We'll stay dependent. We'll give you the glory. But anoint our lives with your power to advance your cause, please. And anoint our church at all three campuses with your power. And may the fruit that occurs through our church not be of human origin, but your work. May that be evident to all that it is you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.